0: Alright, hopefully I'll do a little bit better on the message that I put to in a game. So, as you saw that, uh, that's my weak area. My weak area is I'm not real good with that. That's okay. We all have our strengths and we have our weaknesses. So, anyway, yeah, I appreciate everybody that's come back and I do remember the name. It is Abby. I was going to say Aubrey the whole time I knew it wasn't Aubrey and I'm like, that's it, it's Abby. So, welcome Billy and Abby coming back. I really appreciate you guys being here and uh, that you guys came back. It's awesome. Um, I'm going to teach tonight on potential. And I'm going to kind of go into some different areas. I really want you to think personally about yourself, who you are, where you are, what your life is about. And uh, what my message is actually titled is, What's Your End Game? And... uh, I'm kind of going to go into that, and you'll maybe understand a reason why it's um, titled that. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, in 1750, wrote an article called The Morals of Chess. It says, The game of chess is not merely an idle amusement. Several very valuable qualities of the mind, useful in the course of human life, are to be acquired and strengthened by it, so as to become habits ready on all occasions. For life is kind of like chess, in which we often... Have points to gain and competitors or adversaries to contend with, and in which there is a vast variety of good and ill events that are, in some degree, the effect of prudence or the want of it. By playing at chess, then, we may learn first, foresight, which looks a little into the futurity and considers the qua- consequences that may attend an action. Second, circumspection, which surveys the whole chessboard or scene of action, the relation of the several pieces in their situations. And third, caution. Never to make our moves so hastily. So, in life, we're really playing a game right now. You know, we're playing chess. This is all an, an entire plan here. You make a move, someone else makes a move. You know, we're, we're, we're playing chess in some degree right now. How many of you people out here do play chess? How many of you guys are more like checkers players? I'm probably more of a checkers. I'm probably not so hot at chess, but, you know, I'd like to learn a little bit more. But, you know, you have to be... uh, To be a good chess player, you have to rethink um, your move. it can't just be real hasty. You have to think about what you're going to do and where your opponent's going to go. And really, you have to think many steps ahead to play the game of chess correctly. Um, Tonight I'm going to talk to you about chess, I'm gonna talk to you about potential, and I'm gonna talk to you about what is your end game. Um, have you ever heard that word before? You guys heard the word end game? Um, actually, it was funny, because I was looking and uh, checking out this, this message and really thinking about what I wanted to teach. Um, obviously, right now, we have this, this whole big election, and we have people who are constantly telling Hillary, Hillary Clinton to get out of the running, because they say, what's her end game? You know, what does she expect here? What's the plan? What's the thing? She's staying in it for a long time. So people are asking that a lot of times, and that was actually an article article that I came across. Um, in chess, what it actually means, it's the stage of a game when there are a few pieces left on the board. And it's during the end game when the pawn, pawns actually become much more important. It's also the time when the king, which was always protected uh, in the middle of the game, kind of gets moved forward. And... Uh, it becomes really a strong piece that's often moved forward because it can start to protect its pawns. And it can attack the pawns of the opposite color and hinder the opponent's king and stop them from moving. So the end game, there's a lot of power plays, a lot of interesting things that take place. Spiritually speaking, this speaks volumes. There's a lot to be said for chess and your walk with God and potential and what your end game is. There's a lot to be uh, thought about with um uh, with that as far as like our faith. If you look at a chess board that's set up at the very beginning, you ever look at one and it looks like there's such potential there. You're just looking at it and you're thinking, okay, you know, what move to make? If I move this, I mean, there's, it's so open at the beginning. You know, there's so many things that you could do and, and uh, it's just making that first move. In the chess game of our lives, from the time that you guys were wee little ones, little itty bitties, um, your parents started looking at you. They, start, they started right off the bat. As soon as you came home from the hospital, they started to try to figure out what kind of person you're going to become, You know how successful you're going to be, where you're going to ultimately end up, and, and what kind of person you're going to be. And they had and still have great hopes pinned upon you, I'm sure. Very few parents bring home a little baby from the hospital and think, Wow. I bet they're going to be a great loser someday. You know, they don't do that. Everybody wants their children to be successful. Everybody looks at them and thinks, okay, I have great hopes and plans for my child. It was no different for me and John. I mean, anybody that's in here, if you don't realize, obviously, Shovey and Cameron are my children. John's children, too, not just mine. Um, you know, we were the same way. We had had and had have high hopes and we watched from the very beginning their behaviors their mannerisms who they really were becoming as people and we began to really early on gauge their strengths things that they were talented in and uh, early on it was really really obvious to me that chubby had major gifts you know and it was something i noticed and was aware of you know early on she won a competition in an advertising drawing when she was in grade school and she won 100 bucks and you know, then she was chosen to be put in Odyssey of the Mind, and that was a area where, if you were a little bit more um, gifted, you know you had opportunities to do plays and some interesting things and travel and do some different things. She did well in school, she excelled in art. And you know, she really was gifted beyond her years with that. Obviously, she had leadership qualities. She had great potential. I mean, these this is a kid who was probably eight years old, and she'd have kids that were about thirteen come over to play. And she would set up the games, and she would tell them exactly what these 13, 14-year-olds need to be doing, and they would do it, regardless if they're taking orders from an eight-year-old. She just had that sense about her. She had a caring heart for people who had less and were treated badly. There was experiences that she had in school where she made sure that she came home and told me that there was somebody that was being treated badly, especially by the teachers, and straightened it out. That made me feel very good because I was happy to see that that was something that she cared about. Um she especially showed great love and appreciation for jesus and was asked to become a leader up here way before i ever came up as a leader and uh i had a lot of hopes you know you see these things every one of your um parent, your parents out there noticed something about you gifts strengths talents some failures i'm sure we all have them but there's things that they noticed i can't go on without saying stuff about camp of course <laughs> Cameron, obviously to talk about him, he was always in a hurry to accomplish things. This is a kid who walked when he was nine months old. He had thighs that were like (laughs) little drumsticks like of a turkey. They were huge. The kid had muscles like you wouldn't believe. He was just muscle. And, uh, you know, I knew he was going to walk quick, and he did. He was nine months old. Um, Great finisher early on. You know, he was one of these kids that he was like a mama's dream. He would put away all of his toys before he'd get out another toy. He did change that after a while, but he was really good at that. I was really impressed. You know, I'm like, there he is. He's putting away his toys before he gets out more. This is great. He's going to be a great kid. Um, always moving. Always climbing. Still climbing today. Still loves rock climbing. But here's a kid who would climb up the door jams, you know, when he was just a little baby. Um, did well in school. Was asked to be a peer helper. Went on to became class president. Uh, was tenacious in becoming an Eagle Scout in Boy Scouts. I mean, he worked hard. And uh, very talented. Um, leader in here, Jennifer Ruggiero, like I say, way before I ever came up, was asked to be a leader um, early on when he was just 12, 13 years old. And he was also asked to be on the worship team in big church when he was like 13. And he played every single week. So, you know, there's things that you notice. There's things that you strength. You know, and I noticed re- early on that these, that they were going to have great gifts. It was something I held on to. Hope. Don't we all want to have Hope. You know, we look at somebody and we think, wow, there's great potential. There's hope there. So, you know, with our kids, we noticed early on that they had true love for others. And and they had drive, really, to become leaders. And, you know, we started to begin all these different ideas in our head of maybe where this was going to take them. I always joked around at the beginning, before I got saved, I always said I would name Cameron J. Cameron Graper, so it'd be attorney at law, because it sounded successful. Of course, he became just like his dad, and he loves being a mechanic, and he's just going to be a grease monkey, just like his dad. So either way, you know, but that's okay. Both my kids had high expectations also for themselves. They had high expectations for their playmates. Uh, these are the kids who were very frustrated and upset when things didn't work out, or someone didn't show up that said that they were going to show up, and, you know, they didn't do the play job maybe as well as they thought they should. You know, High expectations. Sometimes to the point where I'm like, guys, give it up. It's no big deal. It's like, you know, house. You can, you can survive, you know. But they had real high expectations. So our, our, our kids, we kind of looked at and we thought, okay, there's potential. It was obvious to us. We kept looking and thinking, okay, there's something there. There's something. And uh, looking back, you know, obviously I can say that they deliver that and then some. You know, I'm extremely, if I can use the word, which I don't really like to because I don't think it's a great word because I think it's against God, but I'm extremely proud of both my kids, I adore them. And uh, I'd say without a doubt, they're probably the most beautiful part of my life besides my faith in Jesus. So, um, you know, it's a great gift that I've gotten. But, you know, even though I say that they had potential, what really is it? What is potential? Do you ever stop and think, what is potential? What does it mean? What's the point? Uh, Potential, actually, by definition, is nothing more than the capability of being something that's not yet in existence, so it's just having the capacity or the possibility that you could be something. You know, people make all these great statements about potential and you know, they latch onto it and they hold great hope in it. But really, potential is nothing but a big old question mark. Really. It's not tangible. You can't grasp it. You can't hold on to it. I couldn't look at those guys and say, Here's your potential. I got it. You know, it's nothing you can grasp and hold on to. It's just something that you kind of see and you wonder about. Every one of you guys have potential. You know, I think getting to know people in the last six years of doing this youth ministry, I have noticed people that have great potential, or what they call it. Um, Some of the kids are just like my kids. They've delivered that and then some. Some others sadly fell short of what maybe they could have been. Um, you know, today, here we are, May 21st, you know, what is it, 8.06 p.m. Most of you guys are getting out of school soon. Some of you are graduating from eighth grade, and some of you are just going on to the next grade, and uh, some of you are moving on to college. So I want to ask you, and really let's let you think about the fact of what kind of potential do you really have? You know, when it comes to true, important potential that really matters, I think that you have it all. You have all the potential that you need. And uh, the world tells us that certain people have potential and they're going to make it. The rest of us, we're done. You know, you're over. Good luck to you. You just aren't going to be one of the great ones, you know. And I want you to understand, though, that you really have no more or no less potential than anyone else. You really don't. All of you have potential. You have the capacity. You have the possibility to be all that you can be. I mean, you really do. There's, all of you guys have great things, whereas I might look at my kids and see gifts. You know what? They have, in truth, no more potential than anyone else does. It's just a capacity to succeed. Potential is a great thing, but really it's nothing. It really is nothing. You can't even grasp it. So it takes much more potential, it takes much more than potential to be anything worth anything. It's going to take more work than just having potential. In the spiritual world, all of us have potential. Like I said, Jesus made it, even Stevens, for each one of us. You know, all of us had the same opportunity to reach Jesus, to be successful in that game. Every one of us, Adrian Rogers, one of the greatest preachers, says, you know what, the ground at the cross is completely level. You know, it's there for everybody. Every single person can either accept it or deny it and accept what Jesus did for you or not. Your potential is there if you want it. But what is it that makes some people successful and other people failures? You know, not all of us make it. (laughs) I mean, what's obvious, I'm sure you've met people I know here, some that I thought were making it, and they fell, it fell short. You know, and they, even though we see this happen today, it happened in Bible times. It happened during um, times where Jesus was walking the earth and beforehand. If you think about these people who had potential, if you think about King Saul and Samson and Judas, those people, just to name a few, you know, Saul, right off the bat, here he has chosen to be king of Israel because the people who were always looking for an earthly king, same thing they tried to do with Jesus when he uh, came, they were looking for an earthly king instead of being led by God himself. So King Saul, he, you know, he has this great potential, but soon after he's given this job, he falls victim to pride, and that is always a person's undoing. Once you get prideful and you think that you can do things on your own, you're going to Soon fail and be falling down a hill So first off it says in Sam, First uh, Samuel 13 That his son Jonathan attacked a Philistine outpost at Geba But Saul has a trumpet blown And he announces the news instead That Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost So instead you can see that he's already trying to He's jealous He's trying to make sure that he steals back the glory He doesn't even want his own son to get it He's like no, 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 that was me I did it And he takes credit for himself. Then he acts in pride by thinking that he alone could accomplish the things that he was called to do without even God's help. Even though Samuel told him specifically to do things in a certain order, what Samuel said was, you know, I'm going to come in seven days. When I get there, we're going to make a burnt offering to God. But Saul, because he thought he could do things without God's help, he waited seven days, didn't wait for Samuel to get there, and decides again on his own to sacrifice himself first. And uh, that's why I always tell you all the time that, you know, obedience is better than sacrifice, see? It's another scripture verse that shows that particularly, that sacrifice is great, God wants us to sacrifice, but first and foremost, he always wants you to be obedient to him. Always seek after God and be obedient. There's a reason why we have commandments. It's like for us to follow them. Samuel, um, obviously was disappointed in Saul. He realized that Saul made a poor choice, and so he was very disappointed. And it wasn't very long before he said, you know, you'd not, he says, actually, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. So instead of King Saul, who was given this promise it gets passed to King David and gets given to him instead. uh, Samson, we've studied Samson in the past. Do you remember how crazy that was? I mean, that was crazy. You know, the mom and dad of Samson, they thought he had great potential. You know, right off the bat, they were told before she even had the baby by an angel that she was going to deliver, you know, just deliver of Israel. So she was just, you know, amazed And uh, she was told because this was such a promise that she herself was never supposed to drink wine or any fermented drink at all while she was pregnant. And she was supposed to guard Samson and and make him, you know, protect him. And and Sammy was going to go on and he was going to do great things. Samson, too, made a lot of poor choices, stupid decisions, dumb things. And he thought he had all the answers. And because he was prideful, too, and he wanted to marry a Philistine wife, who was their enemies, uh, he made that choice, and it caused him to be, you know, go down in burning flames. And before long then, he thought he could do things without God's help. And we know the story where he thought he could outwit all of his opponents, even though there were people waiting there to try to kill him. As quickly as they could, he still tried to play with fire, you know, one of those people. Judas, obviously. He walked the grounds with Jesus. He walked around. He saw miracles being performed. He saw these people being healed, blind saw, you know, crippled walked, all these different things. He saw all these great things. And Judas had all these opportunities. He walked hand in hand with Jesus. But yet he fell victim to pride and destruction. He ended up getting himself involved with greed and was willing to to turn over Jesus to the enemy. And uh, was just paid a meager amount of silver to kill the Son of God. I mean, really great potential. He had great potential to do great things and he failed. So, potential is in itself not enough to ever make it. I want you to understand that. There's a whole lot of people walking this earth that have great potential. It doesn't mean a thing, it's what you want to do with it, how obedience is going to make a difference. It really is. Let me take this time also to mention to you that prophecy also, if you've been brought up in the church, prophecy is also not a guarantee. I've met these people that will sit there and say that somebody come up to them when they were younger and they say, that, oh, God prophesied that I'm going to have this happen when I'm older. I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a missionary. You know what? Wonderful for you. But I want you to understand that's no guarantee. You can destroy the prophecy that was over you by making poor choices. There's people that make poor choices, make bad decisions, and they destroy everything that God had planned for you. Ed Young, not too long ago in a message that he was speaking, had this awesome thing that he pointed out. And I thought, boy, this is so true. He said, the thing is, whatever you're called to do for God, if you don't do it, God will get someone else. Now, that should make you feel like, oh, wait, I get off scot-free. No, (laughs) no. actually you know what god's will will happen and most of us probably are the b team somebody probably didn't do the job they were supposed to do so god brought in the b team you know it's just it's amazing to have an opportunity to do something for god it's really a shame and really sad that people don't live up to their potential of what they were called to do there's a channel called god tv and uh The guy that created this said that um, he was told by God himself that he was the third person that was supposed to have done that. He's the third person that finally did it. So there's two people before him that never did what was supposed to be done. You know, that's something that we have to think about. What are you called specifically to do? What's your potential? And what are you thinking about? So how is it that some people, no matter when they sit down to play chess and who their opponent is, that they win? How is it? Why are some people more successful than others? Why do p- people seem to make it? Some people just fail over and over and over again and don't. I think the thing that we have to ask ourselves first is, how can we be successful? How? And I think it's, it's more about the question that we just got done asking ourselves in this whole series. The question of, who am I? Who am I? You know? You know? Um, What is it that you want to be really successful at? You know, obviously tonight I'm talking to you about your faith You know, if you want to hear about school and how to be successful Then go to school and listen to what they tell you I'm going to tell you what God wants to have you know You know, faith The things that are going to make a difference Um, I think that there's no more important thing I'm going to tell you all the rest of the stuff falls into place When you get your faith in order It really does So the first thing I want you to stop and think about How do you see yourself? When you think of who you are personally the personality that you have the gifts the challenges whatever you have who are you when you look into the mirror what do you see you know if you see yourself as a successful businessman or a wealthy person you know chances are you're probably going to become it you know you you see yourself doing great spiritual things you know what you'll probably get that too because it is how we see ourselves that will make a big difference it really is what kind of self-image we have spurs us on to do great things A lot of people struggle with self-image A lot of people maybe because of their childhood Or certain things They just don't ever feel like That they really got a lot to offer They don't see themselves as successful people And that's not at all what God tells for us to be He tells us to look at ourselves and study And and see that we have great things That we can do for him You know, in our lives So, you know, the thing is You have to understand Is if you don't believe in yourself Who on earth else is going to believe you? You know, if I'm up here every single time not even knowing what I'm talking about, if I don't believe in what I'm telling telling you guys, you're not going to believe it. You know, obviously there's people for years have been telling you guys very little about how to live your lives through God. It becomes something we just do on a weekend or a day, and then we live our lives and we don't act like it matters. When God's word says every bit of our life goes through the funnel of him is what it's supposed to be like. So how you see yourself is really important. The other thing is set goals for yourself. You know, how many of you guys, be honest with me here, when you were in junior high or younger, said you want to be a marine biologist? Any of you? I'm going to tell you. There's always people that want to be marine biologists. Always. Everyone just about in junior high thinks that someday they're going to be a marine biologist. Because, hey. It looks fun to swim with dolphins, right? That's what we think it is. We think it's going to be swimming. Although you go on my 43 things, you'll realize that I have on there. Never swim with dolphins because they scare me to death. Um, So fish, just fish. I don't care if it's a goldfish comes by me. I'm scared. I don't care. You know what? I don't care if it's mammals, whatever. It swims and it's by me. I don't like it. Um, But, you know, the thing is, when it comes down to it, it's going to take a lot more work than just women with dolphins to be a marine biologist. You have to be a smart person. You have to be really gifted and talented and very smart to become a marine biologist. Very few people really accomplish that task. I mean, if you look, uh, there's actually even a study you can go online on, on <laughs> the Internet that talks about the people that wanted to become marine biologists and who really do become it. So very few people really attain that goal. But we do need to set goals for ourselves. What is your goal for your future? What's your plan? Are you even thinking ahead of where you're going? Third thing, you have to avoid comfort zones. Because I'm going to tell you, when you're comfortable, it is dangerous. You know, you guys right now, you're sitting there, you're getting all comfortable. What's happening? You're getting sluggish. Your eyes are getting heavy. You're falling asleep. Because you're getting comfortable, aren't you? That's what happens. See, when you get comfortable, you lose your focus. You fall asleep. You need to, in life, avoid comfort zones. I'm going to tell you, comfort zones are dangerous because people do it all the time. They're like, if I just get here, then I can sit back and relax. I'm going to tell you, if you're really doing anything at all worthwhile, you're going to constantly be moving. You're never going to slow down. Every time I think I'm getting someplace where I'm going to be, God opens another door, and I realize there's way more that he wants me to do, even bigger, more than he ever revealed to me in the beginning. There's much, much more. So you have to avoid comfort zones. You know, you have to be a person of passion. There's so many people that are just so blasé. And you know what? They bore the living daylights out of me. There's times I look at people, and I'm like, wake up. Get a life. Grow up. Do something. Tell me something exciting. There's people that I talk to, I'm telling you, there's not one bit of excitement in their voice, ever. I'm like, how do you live on that meager sense of excitement every single day? I don't know how you do it. Honestly, it just bores me to death. I'm thinking, please, as a Christian, don't ever expect anybody to want what you have because you bore me to tears. And I love what you're saying you love. I can't imagine anybody else is going to want it. You know, power of choice. I'm going to tell you, power of choice makes all the difference in your future. Big, big main thing to think about is your choices. Smokey the bear said it best. Only you can prevent forest fires. Only you can prevent your life by going down, up in smoke. You have to make the decisions for yourself. Don't give me no thing like you know what. Well, I'm my friend, you know what? you know what baloney. You personally make that choice. Only you. Only you. You know what? There's too many people out there that are always. Blaming their friends, or blaming this, or I got in this situation, or that happened, this person. You know what? Once in your life, accept responsibility that this might be you that caused this problem. Power of choice. Just like in chess, you have to think ahead in your moves. You move one way, the enemy's there to attack you. Think ahead. Think of your choices. What are you doing with your life Next thing is be teachable. I'm going to tell you, I could have taught a whole message on this, being teachable. I'm going to tell you, if you're, you're never going to be success at anything you do unless you are teachable. If somebody can't tell you that you're doing something wrong because you're too prideful, you are never going to make it. You are never going to make it. Because the first thing that Jesus was was teachable. You have to be willing to be taught something. You don't, even though sometimes we think we do, you don't know everything. You really don't. You have to be taught things. And I'm going to tell you, there's a whole lot of learning that's done in submission. And sometimes when someone tells you how to do something and you already know how, instead of just saying, yeah, I know how, just say, okay. That's all you have to do. Sometimes it is just submitting and just dealing. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, just deal. Just deal and work harder. Be teachable. My goodness. I just can't imagine some people that they have nothing. You can't tell them anything. They just get a bad attitude and they walk off. I'm like, what? You're never going to make it. You're never going to succeed in life. The other thing, number six, resilience. Winston Churchill said, continuous effort, not strength or intelligence, is the key to unlocking our potential. Always moving. Being resilient. Nothing's going to stop us. That's what it's about. You know, when you fall down, you get up. You know, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. You know what? This is what you do. You move forward. You don't become a victim. There's so many people out there that's like, my life is miserable. I can't make it. It's like, you know what? Whine a little bit more. You're right. You're not going to make it. Because all you do is whine and you complain. You're never going to make it. You know what? Sit there and say, you know what? My life might be miserable, but I'm going to make it. Just it's how you think of things. Be resilient. Be resilient. Be willing to bounce back once in a while. Life is going to throw some hard things at you. None of us here are going to get out of there unscathed. It's going to be hard. There's going to be struggles. You're going to go through a battle, and sometimes you're going to just get through a battle, you're going to get through one, and there's going to be another. It's going to hit you hard and fast. Be resilient. If you have faith, hold on to the tightest thing that you can possibly hold on to, and I'm going to tell you, it's Jesus. Hold on tight. Look at the worst-case scenario, or best yet, what's your end game what are you thinking how are you going to end up how are you going to end up you know remember what i said about the end game i said the end game is a stage of a game when there are a few pieces left on the board and it's during the end game when pawns become more important when you think about your life and who you are and where you're going and what you think you're going to do what's the most important to you I mean, truthfully, what is the most important to you? I mean, if I ask most of you guys, what are you going to say? What's the most important thing? If you're at the end of your life, what are you going to tell me? Tell me something. What's the most important thing? Yeah, no, for the end game, like for the future, your end, at the end, what would be the most thing that you could look back on your life that was the most important thing that you had? Successful? Did what you were called to do? Happiness? Joy? Peaceful? Peaceful is great. I'm going to tell you, there is no peace that comes in your life except for following after Jesus. I'm going to tell you, I watch people. These people, I'll tell you, they're just like this. <laughs> they're never sitting still for a second. I'm thinking, you know what? Get some peace in your life. Accept Jesus. Calm down. Calm down. I mean, honestly, there's some people, sometimes I watch them, their legs are bound. I'm thinking... How do you do that? I mean, honestly, it must be the reason why they're like 80 pounds because they're like, there's nothing to them. I'm thinking, man, you guys are so stressed out. Except Jesus. (laughs) He'll be calm. You know, I'm going to tell you. That's what you need to do. But you know what? Think about your life. If you say you want to be happy, you say you want to be successful, you say you want to do these things, start thinking about what matters. Start thinking and putting it into place now. Do the things right now that are going to get you there. You know what, don't sit there and think, oh, I hope to have peace, or I hope to have happiness, but then be miserable and cause all these different problems in your life and then think, okay, how am I going to get there from here now? Things connect. Think about the fact that every time you do something, there is going to be a reaction. It's not something you just get to do where you get to be who you are and then you're unscathed. It doesn't work that way. Every choice we make has an effect. It just does. Parents, anybody out there listening on a podcast, do me a favor. If you want your kids to be successful and following after Christ, let this be the most important thing. Because I'm going to tell you, there's too many people, parents, all I talk to every time, the hardest part of my job. I deal with teenagers any day of my life. I talk to parents, and you know what? They annoy me to death. Because all they tell me is how, well, I really want my kids to follow after Jesus. It's really important for me to... That they follow after Jesus And then you know what They get you involved in sports They get you involved in plays They get you involved in school Telling you what's important And everything that you do outside of church They're clapping for you How wonderful You guys are doing great Can't get you to come on a Wednesday night And serve God Because they're putting a thousand stumbling blocks In your path But then they're going to be disappointed When you know what You start making poor choices Bad decisions Start to think about The whole entire plan here It's it's extremely frustrating to me as a leader because you know what I see kids that actually do have potential and want to serve Jesus, but their parents are the biggest problem. So many times, over and over again, because they just don't care. They think that this is not going to matter right now at your life. This is when it's going to make the difference, not later. Because you know what, you're never going to find time to serve Jesus. It's going to have to be a choice that you make. I've said many many times the reason why kids are even remotely successful as they are, they both did great in school. But you know what? I don't care if they had finals. I don't care whatever they had. They were in church on a Wednesday night and Sunday because they were learning about Jesus. It was important. And what we applauded the loudest was this. If there's anything we did right, we applauded them loving Jesus and putting him first. It's so important. It's so important. So you have to think about the end game. What are you going to do? Where are you going to end up? How are you going to succeed? What are you going to be in your life? Are you going to end up being excess success or are you going to be a failure? Where are you going? Like I say, a stage of a game when there's few pieces left on the board during the end game when the pawns become more important. Also the time when the king, which was to be protected in the middle of the game because of the threat of a checkmate becomes a strong piece, often brought to the center of the board so it can protect its own pawns. And it can attack the pawns of the opposite color and hinder the movement of the opponent's king. I'm going to tell you, this endgame is very important when it comes to God. You know what? True followers of Christ, this whole endgame, the things that you see happen in the world, earthquakes, destruction, all these different things, it's not scary or bleak because, you know what, we recognize what the endgame is. It's all mapped out right here. There's nothing to be fearful for. If you're right with God, if you just ask for forgiveness, you ask God to help you, you try to serve him with all your heart, there's nothing to be fearful of. Because it's all mapped out. Just like the game of chess. You know, we might just be the ones left on the board. We might be the ones left here. But the thing is, the king is going to come back and he's going to protect. He's going to protect every one of his believers. The pawns. He's going to be doing the things that matter. And he's also going to defeat the other team's king. That's what the whole thing is of Jesus, what happens at the end. Satan comes in and says he's going to kill, destroy, steal everything from us. But Jesus says, no, that's not going to work. And he comes in and he'll go right out in the middle and he's going to protect you. That's what it is. Just serve him with some passion, though. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, God is so good. It is an amazing life to lead through him. Not easy, not going to be easy, never is. Honestly, there's days where I'm thinking it's all I can do to hold on. But you know what? It's such a secure feeling. There is that peace, like Ron said. The better all these different things fall apart, the world is destroying itself. But you know what? There's discomfort of knowing that I'm okay with him. I'm okay. Things will be all right. So I just really want you to think about what's your end game. Every day when you get up, understand what you do that day will make a difference whether or not you end up where you say you want to end up. You don't have just this extravagance of time to think that you get to do all these things wrong and then someday you're going to just magically poof be right where you want to be. You know, it's that statement you make your bed, you lie in it. You are going to cause your future, only you. You know what, you can blame other people, you can blame your parents, you can blame your friends, you can blame whatever. Ultimately, you, your choice, what you want for it. So I really want you to be challenged on your potential. Honestly, my expectation when I was reading about leadership not too long ago, I was thinking to myself, you know what, I really do believe up here, it says the best thing you can do is put a 10 on every single person, expect much. If you guys know me, I expect much. I expect a lot. I really believe the reason why my kids are as, as successful as they are is because I've expected a lot from them. They have high expectations. I don't believe ever in lowering the bar. The only time you lower the bar is good as, you know, them games that you play on the beach, you know, was it, uh, limbo. It's the only time it's good. The rest of the time is you raise that bar, expect good things. I'm going to tell you what, expect good things. Challenge yourself. Don't always be willing to take the easy road, the quick road. Go for the hard one. Take the challenge sometimes. There's so few people that want to do anything worthwhile. You know, sometimes things take work. Work hard, do it. It makes a difference. I want to pray for you, okay? Well, Lord, I just pray for each person that's here, Lord, each person that's listening. I pray, Father, that you just help them, Lord, to recognize, Lord, just the successful person they could be, Lord, that they would realize that just having them label themselves as having potential is never going to be enough. It's going to take some real movement and some real um, commitment on their level to do the things that they're called to do. I just pray, Father, that you would just help them, strengthen them. Lord, I just pray, Father, that every single day when they get up, they would recognize that there's choices to make, and it's the choices today that are going to affect their future. I just pray that you just help them, Lord. I just pray right now for each person that's here, Lord, that you would just uh, make yourself real to them, Lord, that they feel your presence. I just thank you, Father, for everything that you're going to do in their lives and the lives of their families. I just pray that you just bless them, keep them safe, guard them, Lord. I just pray that you would just be with them um, for this day, this coming week, Lord, this month, this year. I just pray that you would be with them and keep them safe. I just thank you for all things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.